Ventures with Purpose founder Jared Lisick charged with child rape. You are not going to want to miss today's episode as we are in Branson, Missouri, where back in 2017, a duck boat goes on land and then it goes on water and 17 people ended up passing away. It's being reported that one of the founding members of the popular dive group Adventures with Purpose has been charged with raping a child. Attorney Jenny Alcotti comes on to discuss. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. You can watch the full story on Law & Crime. I'm going to read what is going on to you right now. Jared Lisick, who helped start the Missing Persons group, Search group, Adventures with Purpose, big, big time on YouTube, very popular. He was charged last week, at the end of the week, with two counts of child rape. He's accused of abusing a female relative who is between 9 and 10 years old. This happened in in Utah, which has no statute of limitations. The incidents allegedly occurred in 1992 when Lisek was 7 years older than the victim at the time, authorities said. Just before November 1st, 1992, the victim lived in Ephraim, which is located in Simple County. In one incident, Lisek allegedly raped the child in her bedroom. He abused her again when they were at their grandparents' home in the city of Manti, Utah, the same year. Lisek has no attorney of record. Adventures with Purpose referred the Law and Crime Network sidebar podcast to their legal team when asked about the allegations. They did not immediately respond to law and crime. Follow up request for comment on Tuesday. The county attorney's office did not immediately respond. The U.S. Sun first reported the allegations. Searching for 16-year-old Kylie Rodney may have come to an end. We have not been able to positively identify but it's more than these are the guys who are talking about Kylie Rodney and found her likely an autopsy has been ordered for tomorrow and those toxicology results should be ready within a few weeks we have found Kylie Rodney's mission of the investigation our this looks like a best of clip there they are This is interesting. Lead diver Doug Bishop told Fox Affiliates on May 9th that Adventures with Purpose was an environmentalist group with Lisa working to clean up waterways. His efforts led to a vehicle being discovered underwater here in the city of Portland, Oregon. Then he started focusing on just pulling vehicles out. Interesting. Lisa and Bishop, a towing company owner, teamed up to take out vehicles to clean up the water, but one of the vehicles ending up contained human remains. From there, the men found their niche. Interesting. We'll continue the story. He's, child, he's charged with child rape of relative. Yeah. 
You are listening to Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. If you'd like to call and leave a voicemail message, the number is 325-261-0892. That is 325-261-0892. 325-261-0892. You can always email us at midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. That is midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. This week, I've got a question for you. What do you feel would make this podcast better? Do you think, let me know what you think. You can help tell or make this something you don't like about it. You can let me know directly, and we'll work on that together. I'm asking for constructive criticism, but I am asking you for it. What do you think would make it better? I have a follow-up to a story we had two weeks ago. And this is a case of... Lyric Woods and Devin Clark. Remember they were murdered in South Carolina or in Orange County? Is that Orange County, South Carolina? Hey, Lauren, we have been working for weeks to figure out what happened here. And in talking to the FBI tonight, it is clear they were heavily involved. It is, in fact, one of their task forces that helped track Isaiah Ross in Delaware and bring him back here to North Carolina. Here is what else we know about this case tonight as this investigation moves forward. This is where 17-year-old Isaiah Ross started the school year at Eastern Alamance High School in Mebane. Officials say he was only here for five days, but it's the same school 18-year-old Devin Clark went to. Now Ross is charged with Clark's murder. Can you say anything about how these folks knew each other? Um, We cannot at this time. Investigators did lay out a timeline for the first time since the bodies of Devin and 14-year-old Lyric Woods were found in a wooded area off Buckhorn Road in mid-September. Prosecutors in the Orange County Sheriff were able to do this because the case against 17-year-old Isaiah Ross finally moved into adult court. We have some um, theories and we have some evidence, but we can't speculate as to motive at this time. The investigation starts late Friday, September 16th or early the next day. That's when Lyric's family reported her missing. A day later, Devin's family reported him missing. The same day on September 18th, two ATV riders find bodies in a rural part of the county. Bodies ultimately determined to be Lyric and Devin. Isaiah took off to Delaware on the 18th from North Carolina. How we got there is unclear, and investigators wouldn't say why he went there specifically. They did say he hadn't lived in North Carolina a long time. 18 days after Devin and Lyric's bodies were discovered, investigators finally found Ross with the help of the FBI Delaware Safe Streets Task Force. The entire resources of my office and the district attorney's office and partnering law enforcement agencies were used and we're grateful for their help. Investigators tonight confident that they have the right person as the case moves forward. This is a horrible loss for Devin and Lyric's family and friends and a tragedy for the entire community. A tragedy for sure. We have reached out to all parties involved here. Devin's family, Lyric's family, neither of them wanted to comment. Also tried to speak with Isaiah Ross's lawyer tonight. He said he is not commenting. As for Isaiah Ross, he's being held without bond at a juvenile detention facility somewhere in the state, not here in Orange County in Hillsborough. He is due in court next week here in Hillsborough. Lauren and Steve will be there for that. Back For some reason, I always get North Carolina and South Carolina mixed up. I do that every time. Tyson's CFO, he's also the chairman's son. His name is 
John Tyson. He's the CFO of Tyson Foods. You know Tyson? They have the the commercials that always say, Tyson, treating you like family. Well, in this case, the CFO took it to extremes. He got drunk, crawled into the bed of some random woman. Yeah, that's right. Chief financial officer of Tyson Foods was arrested early Sunday in Arkansas after allegedly becoming intoxicated, entering the wrong house and falling asleep. John Tyson, who is the son of the chairman and grandson of the company's founder, was charged with public intoxication and trespassing and booked in Washington County Jail. According to a local television station, KNWA, a woman who did not know Tyson found him asleep in her bed around 2 a.m., If this strangeness sounds somewhat familiar, remember less than two months ago, Beyond Meat's chief operating officer, Doug Ramsey, was arrested after allegedly biting a man's nose, also in Arkansas, in fact, the same county. Ramsey is also a former Tyson executive. Well, isn't that something? They're having a meat freakout. These meat executives are turning some damn zombies. I can understand Beyond Meat. Apparently, the nose that other guy bit off was definitely beyond meat. And what do you guys think about this? And now I'm going to post a link to all these articles we're going over right now on the podcast show notes. So whatever whatever podcast app you use, Midnight Radio is on there. 32 years old, jumped in another bed. And you got to know there's been other instances besides this. And you got to wonder, too, maybe he went out partying with some friends and then he said, hey, let's drop him off. <laughs> That's not his house. Oh, well. Maybe it's a prank they pulled on him. Now, the woman did say that her door was unlocked. So he just went in there and went right to bed. Man, you've got to be blitzed. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that maybe, just maybe, he was smoking a little bit of ooey. That ooey will get you every time. This next story, there's a German girl, eight years old, freed after allegedly being blocked away by her mother since she was a toddler. She was locked away by her mother since she was a toddler. Now, the girl's identified only as Maria. She hasn't been seen in public since 2015 when she was 18 months old and was reportedly kept in a single room. An eight-year-old German girl... She was found by local authorities after allegedly being held captive by her mother and grandparents as she was a toddler. She was discovered in her grandparents' home in Adderdorn, about an hour east of Cologne, according to the Times. Authorities say that Maria has had n- has not been seen in public since 2015. When authorities found her in September, she was able to speak but was so weak she could barely climb stairs or navigate uneven ground. She's eight years old. Prosecutors say that Maria, who looked to have not suffered abuse or malnutrition, had not been outdoors for seven years and was overwhelmed by the outside. The girl's mother, identified by a newspaper billed as Rosemary Q, has separated from her father, shortly after she was born in 2013. After learning that the man had begun a relationship with another woman, Rosemary G. told him she was taking Maria to Italy to live with relatives. The man's suspicion began to arise, however, when his correspondence to the girl in Italy 
went unanswered. According to the Times, another relative then told police that she had visited the house in Italy where Rosemary, Jean, and Maria were supposed to be living and discovered they never resided there. Eventually, a search warrant was obtained, and that is when police found Maria in the Adderton home. Maria is now in a foster home receiving medical and psychological care, and she may be reunited with her father, who said he would welcome custody of the girl. The public prosecutor's office in Saigon is currently investigating the mother and grandparents on suspicion of deprivation of liberty and the abuse of wards. The prosecutor's office did not immediately reply. Rosemary G. could face up to 10 years in prison if she's found guilty of keeping her daughter in captivity. We've gone over a lot of these stories for the past week, and you better believe me, I have a whole lot more stories coming to you of these horrific instances of crimes against children. And I have a story of a crime from a child coming up to the parents. But I want to tell you in every case... They're single mothers. These women that are committing these crimes, I'm, I'm seeing them all be single. There has to be an accountability for the men here, the men not being there. People can get overwhelmed. Do you, do you realize how overwhelming it is to raise a child on your own? Now, this makes no excuse for it, but this makes no excuse for the men, and that is my point. That is my point. Talking about women flipping their wig. There was a woman dressed as a Teen Titan superhero, Raven. She's among two adults charged with kidnapping Alabama teen, taking her to Florida, where she was held captive and beaten in an abandoned building. Then she was left under a tree. Molly Michelle Jarrett, 19, was wearing a superhero costume and cowboy boots when she was arrested with Colby Jerome Jordan, 22, after the girl they allegedly bound in duct tape was discovered by sheriff's deputies. Jarrett and Jordan, both from Alabama, took the girl across straight lines to Jackson County in Florida on Friday night. There, she was beaten and left bound under a tree at some point before dawn. Sheriff deputies were informed by Jackson County resident around 6.15 a.m., on Saturday, November 5th, they had spotted the girl. Deputies found a minor with her hands bound behind her back. The girl was rushed to the hospital and is expected to survive. Jerome picked up the teenage girl at some point on Friday evening. Deputies said the night Jordan met up with the two females, one of whom was Jarrett. At around 1 a.m. on Saturday morning, the girl was taken to an abandoned building in Florida where Jordan beat her and bound her hands and feet. She was later left alone under a tree. Jarrett and Jordan were arrested later on Saturday by deputies in their native Houston County back in Alabama. Unofficial photos shared by Jackson County deputies showed Jarrett dressed as a superhero raven from the show Teen Titans. She's photographed in front of a blue Ford pickup truck wearing cowboy boots featuring the Stars and Stripes. It is not clear why she was wearing that outfit. Florida court records seen by... AL.com lists Jordan as living in Dothan, Alabama, and Jarrett in in nearby Taylor, also in Alabama. Jordan faces charges of robbery, false imprisonment, tampering with a victim and battery. Jarrett is charged with assisting Jordan in all of those crimes. An administrator in the Jackson County Correction Facility confirmed to Daily Mail, which has the best news, by the way, 
The Independent is also too. That on Tuesday evening, the two remained in jail. The age of the girl that was beaten is unknown, but it's been reported that she's a teenager. Investigators did not say if the suspects knew her before the incident. I'm going to put a picture of this woman, Jarrett, Jarrett, Molly Michelle Jarrett, in her Raven outfit on the wall of shame on my YouTube community. I have to. What is going on here? There's more to the story. We're going to cover it for you. Maybe even go to trial with these people and show you how this turns out. Have you heard about Lucy Letby? Have you heard about Lucy Letby? Let me let me make sure. Lucy Letby is a UK nurse who is murdering babies. Uh, I think it's estimated she's accused of murdering seven babies. The handwriting of Lucy Letby on a post-it note found in her home shortly after her arrest, now presented as evidence the prosecution say she's guilty of murder. I don't deserve to live, she writes. I killed them on purpose because I'm not good enough to care for them. I'm a horrible, evil person. Then, in capital letters, she writes, I am evil. I did this. Lucy Letby's accused of murdering seven babies and attempting to murder ten more over a 12-month period. The jury's heard that babies previously in good condition suffered catastrophic collapses when Lucy Letby was around at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Some made remarkable recoveries when she wasn't. The prosecution say her malign hand was at work. But the jury then heard for the first time from the defence for Lucy Letby describing that same post-it note not as a sign of guilt, but as the anguished outpouring of a young woman in fear and despair at the enormity of what was being said about her. Ben Myers KC pointed out what was also on the note. She wrote that she would never have children or marry. She wrote of despair and that I haven't done anything wrong. Mr Myers told the jury they shouldn't accept the prosecution's theory of guilt based on coincidence. Lucy Letby, he said, shouldn't get the blame if she's not responsible. Maybe there were others who made mistakes, systems that failed, he said. Lucy Letby was adamant. She'd done nothing to harm those babies. He said the defence recognised the sadness, distress and anger caused by these allegations. Family members of some of those babies listened in court as he said sympathy was rightly with them but he urged the jury not to let emotion take the place of reason. This trial's expected to last six months. Lucy Letby denies all 22 charges she faces. Greg Milam, Sky News, Manchester. We'll cover the whole story right here on Midnight Radio. Don't you love it how they start with her confession on this little sticky note? And it's the little one, not the big one. It's a post-it note. They go over her confession, and I see it here in the video. You can see it, too, on the show notes page of this podcast. Click on it and look at it. And they convince you that she absolutely did it, and that she's confessing to it. I mean, you're looking at it with your own eyes. And then they switch it to where, well, maybe she's not. Maybe she was a victim of circumstances. I can see where that would be possible. That is good reporting, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, I tell you what, I love the UK's news. Love it. Love it so much. 
they're on a different level than the USA. The USA is nothing but tabloid. But over in the UK, we're talking about real news and real writing, real ethics and real journalism. This is from Sky News. Again, the link will be in the show notes to this. Now, I have another bit of this story for you. And again, this is from the UK. This is something that's happened in the UK. But I mean, the US reports on this too. Let me read this to you. The headline of this is UK News. Doctor interrupted nurse Lucy Letby's attempt to kill newborn baby. So it is saying that a doctor walked in and stopped her. Okay. So this might make you think, oh, well, maybe she did do something. A cold-blooded nurse was trying to kill a 98-minute-old baby when she was interrupted by a doctor who had started to link her to unexplained deaths. This is from the court testimony. Again, in the UK, they, they don't have video cameras. Lucy Letby, 32, was standing over the incubator of a newborn girl whose oxygen levels had fallen dangerously low when a colleague walked in, a jury was told. Ravi... Jay Rutham, a pediatric consultant, had been uncomfortable that Letby was alone with the 12-week-old premature baby because he had started to notice a coincidence between unexplained deaths, serious collapses in the presence of Lucy Letby. The trial at Manchester Crown Court heard all this from his own mouth. He rushed in to help the infant and found that her chest was not moving and her breathing tube had been dislodged. Letby was making no effort to help the baby and had not called for assistance, jurors were told, while an alarm connected to the infant appeared to have been silenced. The doctor was troubled because Letby was the only person in the room. He did not make a contemporaneous note of his suspicions or about the alarm failing to activate. The trial before Judge St. James Gross was told. The baby, who cannot be named, only his baby Kate, died three days later, but Letby is not charged with her murder. She was one of the ten babies that Letby allegedly attempted to murder on the neonatal unit of the Countess of Chester Hospital between June 2015 and June 2016. Letby is accused of murdering seven babies in the same period. She denies all 22 counts. Nick Johnson, KC, prosecuting, told the jury that three months after the death of baby K in April 2016, Letby had been moved to day shifts because the consultants were concerned about the correlation between her presence and unexpected deaths and life-threatening episodes on the night shifts. On the third day of the trial, jurors were also told Letby had sent a sympathy card to the grieving parents of a baby she murdered at her fourth attempt. Johnson told the jury that Letby's attempts to kill the infant baby, I, were extreme, even by the standards of this overall case. Jurors were told that although baby I was born 10 weeks premature, weighing 970 grams, that's just over 2 pounds for you in the USA, she was progressing well until she arrived on Letby's ward from Liverpool Women's Hospital, where she was born. Johnson said, Baby I was born very early and very small, but she survived the first two months of her life and was doing well by the time Lucy Letby got her hands on her. What happened to Baby I following the pattern of what had happened to others before and what was yet to happen to others? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, came vomiting, breathing problems, and critical desaturations. That's desaturations and oxygen. He added it was persistent 
It was calculated and it was cold-blooded. Letby's accused of repeatedly pumping baby I with a massive amount of gas over a period of two months when she had to be resuscitated by Letby's colleagues. On one occasion, the University of Chester graduate was seen standing in the doorway of the girl's darkened room, coolly watching a baby who was in crisis, the jury was told. A nurse turned on the light and saw baby I at the point of death and unable to breathe. On a separate occasion, the infant's monitor alarm sounded and a colleague rushed to help and found Letby standing beside the armchair. Standing beside the incubator, Letby's fellow nurse wanted to intervene as baby I was distressed. Before Letby placated her colleague saying they would be able to sort it, it was alleged the baby, 11 weeks old, then collapsed and died. The baby's mother said that as she was, as she bathed her daughter, the alleged murderer was smiling and kept going on about how she was present at the girl's first bath and how much the baby had loved it. During a police interview four years later, Letby was asked about a sympathy card she had sent to the girl's parents. Letby apparently agreed that it was not normal for a nurse to send a card and that this was the only time she'd done it. But she said, I was not often the nurse got to know a family as well as they had known baby I's family. Letby accepted that she had kept an image of that card on her phone, the jury was told. She was also asked about medical records for twin boys who she had allegedly tried to kill at her home. She denied this was a souvenir and said she must have taken them home by accident. Wow. The trial continues. Up, oh, This article was amended on 13th October 2022. Let be as charged with the attempted murder of Baby K. Not her murder. Put a link to this in the show notes for the podcast. This is truly grievous, truly grievous. This is even more grievous, this story. Extraordinary viciousness. Jesse, this is hard to pronounce, Camarilli jailed for a maximum of 21 years and seven months for decapitating her mother. A Supreme Court judge has called Rita Camilleri's death the most horrible that could be imagined, decapitated by her own daughter at St. Clair. Jessica Camilleri was jailed today for more than two decades for manslaughter. And a warning, some of the details in this story are distressing. Through tears, Christy Teresi said thank you in the moments after her sister was jailed for killing their mother. A Supreme Court judge calling Jessica Camilleri's crime extraordinarily vicious and brutal. She must have been in extreme pain and both shocked and terrified at what was being done to her by her own beloved child. Rita Camilleri stabbed more than 200 times in a fit of rage by her daughter who feared being taken away. In the frustration, I didn't know what I was doing. I cut her head off. I chopped her head off with a knife. 
The then 25-year-old was suffering multiple mental health disorders, was obsessed with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and had a history of threatening decapitation. While she was unable to control herself, the judge said she also knew it was wrong. Mrs Camilleri provided every support to the offender throughout her life and did everything she could. The court heard Camilleri refused to take any more prescribed medication from about three months before she killed. Her family has said she chose not to accept help because she preferred the attention her behaviour attracted. I will never forgive or forget what has happened. The judge acknowledging Camilleri could continue to be a threat, her sister now safe from her until at least 2035. Kelly Fedor. Nine News. I really butchered that name, Camilleri. Again, in this case, like all the other ones we went over, it was a single mother. There was no man to be found. The child, she call her a child, she's 27. But, and this happened in 2019. She said to have, what do you call it? She was on the spectrum, and there was a struggle because of her mobile phone, and I believe a laptop too, because what she was doing is she was, oh man, what she was doing is she was calling numbers up, and there was this one company she would call up and just talk to this random guy there, you know, she would flirt with him and and call them, I mean, people she didn't know, she would just call and do that. And it was getting bad, and if they hung up, she would call back threatening them. People she didn't know. And her, this was becoming a big issue, and uh, the authorities were about to get involved when her mother took her phone away. This is something that she liked to do. This is definitely something that she did. Hey, if you have a comment and question, yeah, have a a comment, tell me how I can improve the show for you, something you'd like to see. 325-261-0892. That's 325-261-0892. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, that is midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, God bless. God bless.